0: I, I want to talk to you about how the Word became flesh. This, is the, this Bible verse, John chapter 1, uh, the first 18 verses, just have, have been impacting me the last couple of weeks. And as, as, I, I, as I've thought about what this means, it is, it's, so, it's so powerful to think. And it, it amazes, think, that a fisherman that was called by Jesus that later in his life the apostle John wrote this with such eloquence and power that i believe that it was inspired by the holy spirit here's what it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and this is important for us to realize jesus is the word and jesus is god he didn't become god he didn't start being god in the manger He was always God, and he was always with God. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. He is the creator. He's the word that went out. He said, you know, God spoke the word. Jesus is the word that is spoken, that created. So everything that is created by the word of God is created by Jesus. In him was life. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. And this is the verse I want to talk about today. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who then the, the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, John is different than the other Gospels because the other Gospels talk about what we saw today. That talks about mangers and stars and, and shepherds and Bethlehem. John doesn't talk about the... the really the, what happened at Christmas. He's really talking about the why of Christmas. Why did the Word become flesh and dwell among us? What, What happened? So in this verse, there's three things I want to talk about, that Jesus is the Word, Jesus became flesh, and He dwelt among us. You see, if you want to know what Somebody thinks you have to know what they say because you can misinterpret people's actions. Have you ever done that? Have you ever misinterpreted somebody's actions? You, you, you thought they, you know, if you are married, you've misinterpreted somebody's actions. It, it, it happens. It happens even in church life. You know, you, you know, somebody will. You'll walk by somebody and they kind of give you a sour look. And so, you think, well, what's up with that? Are they mad at me? What's, what's going on? And so, when someone acts a certain way, you can infer. In other words, you can, you, can, you can try to guess what they meant. And so, you may ask them and say, hey, you know, are you mad at me? Because I, you know, I walked by and you, you didn't shake my hand. You didn't tell me how? And they could say, well, you know, I was sick and I was on my way to the bathroom to throw up. <laughs> or, or, you know, I was distracted. I just got bad news. I just got a text that someone in my family has passed away. Right? In other words, there could be circumstances that are different. So when you, when you hear that, it changes your mind. Oh, well, they, didn't, they weren't trying to be offensive they weren't trying to ignore me they were distracted Did you ever get distracted i'm i'm horrible about getting distracted when i am on a task i'm blind i offend people all the time not on purpose but because it's like you know like this morning the computers weren't working of course big day so check-in computers were not working so you're like okay what what do we have to do? What do we have to get this fixed? And and so it creates. This. If you want to creates a crisis. If you want to know what somebody thinks, you ask them. You know, we we do this at Christmas. We say, "What do you want for Christmas?" And then we give them what we think they should have. <laughs> yeah, you, you get those. Do you get those things that other pe- people think you should have at Christmas? You get like. Uh, you know, we always gave our children at Christmas in their stockings, and this wasn't all they got, but we all, always gave them socks and underwear. It's like, whoopee. <laughs> I can't hardly wait for more socks and underwear. But you know, when you need underwear, you need underwear. Uh, but you reveal yourself you, through the, your word. So Jesus reveals who God is. The only way to know who God is is through Jesus Christ. He is the only revelation of the Father. So if you want to know who, what God is like, Jesus came to reveal what he's like. John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God at any time the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. The only way to see what God is like is to examine the life of Jesus. So we examine his birth, and we think, what is God is like? What's God like? That he sends his son in humility to be born in a manger so that he can identify with us. What is God like? That he walked among us And did miraculous things and taught the word. Then what is God like that he died on a cross for us? See, we have the revelation through his word, through what Jesus did. We know who God is. So the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. The word became flesh. Now this is is what's incredible about what Jesus did. The divine creator became flesh. The creator became like the created, which meant he was vulnerable. Think how how vulnerable Jesus as God was in the manger. I mean, how vulnerable is a baby totally dependent upon the care of someone else? You maybe even notice today that Jesus got left behind temporarily. (laughs) Mary and Joseph, a little distracted, You know, left him in the car seat in the Suburban. Had to go back and get him. (laughs) Vulnerable. You see, when God heard our cries, he came to our rescue. He became vulnerable. Not just the risk of his life, but knowing that it would cost him his life. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 says, Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. The God of heaven has become flesh and has suffered. You know, if you've been through something, it makes you more sensitive yes. to what other people are going through. That's right. uh, I've been married now for a long time 43. <laughs> I do remember, I do remember it's 43 years, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just checking. She's the statistician in the family, so uh, 43 years. And I never had much sympathy. I never, I really, Never gave it a thought When Tina went to the doctor and had to have a mammogram I I had I never thought about how it worked It it was just something that women do That they had to go and get the checkup and they had to go get the mammogram, so I wasn't particularly Compassionate about it. I didn't really understand then I had to have a manogram. <laughs> I don't know if you know how this works. Men, you don't know how this works, but basically what they do is they took a waffle maker and made it electronic. <laughs> and they put your breast in this waffle maker and squish it real tight and kind of lock the handle down and turn on the heat. So now having experienced that, I have a different level of compassion. Have you noticed that when you've gone through something, you have compassion for someone who might be going through it? If you've gone through a divorce, you've gone through a loss of a child, or you've gone through the loss of a family member, that makes you a more understanding counselor. You can comfort because you've been there. Having been there, you know what it's like. Jesus is the best counselor. Because he's been there. Isaiah 9, 6, we call him that. Uh, This is the great prophecy of government Christ. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Not Princess, Prince of Peace. Christmas is about... The God of the universe having been where you've been. Think about this. He was born to parents who bore the shame of his miraculous birth. He was born in a little town. He was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in Nazareth. His family was from Nazareth. You think people from Nazareth didn't know how to count? So much so that later in Jesus' life, this is what the Pharisees said, we are not illegitimate children. They protested. The only father we have is God himself. What are they saying about Jesus? He's carried this. Mary and Joseph have carried the accusation that he is illegitimate. Because honestly, honestly, who's going to believe God did it? Right? I mean, no one's going to believe that. Has it happened before? No. Has it happened since? Nope. Immaculate conception, con- conceived by the Holy Spirit, nobody bought it. So Mary and Joseph, Jesus, bore the shame of that. He was born into poverty. We know that he was poor because at his dedication they offered the, the, the least sacrifice possible. Of two turtle doves. So he was poor. He was. We know that he had to run for his life. He had to become an immigrant. He had to run for his life to Egypt. Because Herod was trying to kill him. And all the babies under two. That were born in Bethlehem. So he fled to Egypt. We know that he was also tempted by Satan for 40 days in the wilderness that Satan tried to get him to sin and he did not sin. We know that then he was rejected by his own, the Jews who should have recognized him as the Messiah. They did not recognize him as the Messiah. They rejected him as the Messiah. And then even on the night of his betrayal, all of his disciples ran. Everyone left him. Then he died a horrible death he was tortured suffered unimaginable torture on the cross but you know that was nothing to carrying our sins right. can you imagine bearing the weight of the filth of everyone's sin that is every sin every murder every every horrible thing every rape every incest every every horrible thing that men do to each other he bore that weight he bore the sin on the cross and then the bible says he tasted death for every man jesus didn't die his death he died the death of billions and billions of people he died Every man's death. He tasted my death and your death. He bore that on the cross. He became killable. The word became flesh. The word became killable. Jesus had to become flesh so that he could become vulnerable, so that he could become killable. Why? So that he could be a marvelous counselor. He's experienced it all. Have you been talked badly about So has he. Have you been betrayed? So was he. Are you broke? So was he. Are you lonely? So was he. Are you facing death? So was he. See, so you can go to him. We can go to him. He became flesh, so we can go to him. We can run to him as the wonderful counselor. Because he understands what you're going through. No one else understands what you're going through, but he does. Then it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John picked a particular word here for dwelling in that he picked the word that means tabernacle. Now, when we think of the word tabernacle, the tabernacle, it ties us to the Old Testament because there's a reason. John picked this word because Jesus made his tabernacle among us. Now, we know that in the Old Testament, we read that when Moses, when they were at the mountain. Moses said to God, God, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you, pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. So God gave Moses instructions to build a tabernacle where they could place the Ark of the Covenant inside the Holy of Holies so they had the holy place, this whole tabernacle surrounded, a place where they could make sacrifices, prepare, so they could prepare the priest with blood sacrifice so that he could go into the Holy of Holies and make atonement for the sins of all the people. So, God's glory was shrouded. Why? Because if people saw the glory of God, it would kill them. They would die. You see, the reality is Jesus then is our tabernacle. Jesus is the revelation of God's glory to us. Jesus is the fullness of God. God's glory in Jesus became visible. And the good news of that, Christmas for us is the end of religion. Every religion is about man trying to do what he has to do to earn God's approval and get to God. In Jesus, God came to us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In Tim Keller's book, King's Cross, the story of the world and the life of Jesus, he talks about a sermon that Dick Lucas preached, a pastor in England, on an imaginary conversation between an early Christian and her neighbor in Rome. So, ah, the neighbor says, I hear you're religious. Great. Religion is is a good thing. Where is your temple or holy place? The Christian says, we don't have a temple. Jesus is our temple. No temple. Well, where do your priests work? How do you do your ritual? Said, the Christian says, we don't have priests to mediate, mediate the presence of God, replies the Christian. Jesus is our priest. No priest? Well, where do you offer your sacrifices to acquire the favor of God? We we don't need sacrifice. A religion Jesus is our sacrifice. Well, what kind of religion is this? Sputters the pagan. The answer is no kind of religion. It's not a religion. It's absolutely the freedom from earning God's favor. It is receiving God's favor as a gift. You know, if you offend someone, it creates a gap. If you, create, if you offend someone, it creates a gap. It's inevitable. Let's say, say I offend you and say, you know, let's say today you came and you're wearing an ugly sweater, but you didn't mean for it to be an ugly sweater, it's just a sweater that you wore that's ugly. But, you know, one man's ugly is another man's beautiful. I mean, it's like, you know, I've had several people compliment this. I mean, I bought this as an ugly sweater. I paid good money for this tiny sweater. (laughs) And, uh, but, in other words, People say things that offend us. If somebody says something to you that offends you, it creates a distance. Where there's a discomfort. You, you, know, you don't really want to see that person. You, you, don't want to, you don't want to bump into that person because the offense has created a gap. And the greater the offense, the greater the gap. If someone was to hurt one of your children if someone was to murder one of your family members. That's why it was so amazing when both of John's brother forgave the police officer that had killed his brother and in just a very open, I forgive you, that was so amazing because, because offenses like that create distance, we don't, we don't wanna be near. And the greater the offense, the 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 greater the offense, the greater the distance. And we've all offended God. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've created a distance that we can't bridge. But Jesus came. Jesus came to us because we couldn't go to Him. Jesus came to us to bridge the gap. To bridge the distance so that we could receive salvation. Ephesians 2.13 says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Jesus is the word. He's the full revelation of, Jesus, of God the Father. The only way to know God is through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the the Word made flesh, He's the wonderful counselor. He understands better than anyone ever will understand what you have gone through and are going through. He is the wonderful counselor. And He is the Word that is dwelling among us. Jesus is the end of religion. He is access to the Father. He is grace that is applied to us, not because we deserve it, Not because we earn it, but because it is a free gift. It is a gift freely given to all who received it. And then it says, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It's a gift that is offered. And all we have to do is receive it. Amen? Let's stand together. If you don't know Jesus, the word, I pray that you will go to, go to him. If you need a one, one that can give you access to God the Father. If you need a wonderful counselor, there's no one that can understand what you're going through better than Jesus. And he has come to tabernacle among us. He has come, he has come to us because we couldn't go to him. I pray that you will receive him as your counselor today. And you will receive him as your Savior today. That you will believe on his name. Father in Jesus name we celebrate. That the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. It's so amazing. That you were willing. Joyfully willing. To leave the glories of heaven. For the weakness of the flesh. So that you could. Purchase our salvation by your death on the cross. Father, we thank you for what you've done. We believe it. We receive it. The Word made flesh and dwelt among us. In Jesus' name. Amen.